0: The Holy Gospel according to John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn, it, the, drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace in the name of God, our Creator and Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Dearest friends and family of the Bratislava International Church, a very happy new year to each and every one of you. It's good to be with you again after a few weeks away. I want to thank again all who really stepped up in that time to allow our community to continue to worship. It never fails that worship still happens here, both in person and online in my absence. And I'm so thankful to everyone who had a part in that. And at the start of this new year, it feels appropriate to celebrate many things with you. Of course, the new year in and of itself is one of them, but also because we find ourselves in the midst of this time after Epiphany, a sort of season of Epiphany. This time is all about unveiling God's truth through Jesus born into this world. It warms my heart that we find ourselves so many weeks past Christmas Day and the unveiling of God incarnate in baby Jesus. It is still a rich theme in our scripture readings, all of them calling for us to rejoice. It's surely no surprise to you that the prophet Isaiah that you heard Yvonne read plays a significant role in sharing this good news and unveiling the truth of the Messiah come into the world. And Isaiah's call for justice in his own context, in which he could not be silent, is his call also for us in our own context not to be silent about the justice that has been done in a baby born in a manger. That justice, of course, being the reconciliation of our sins by the power of our God. In our gospel passage today, we hear this familiar story of the wedding at Cana, where Jesus performed his first miracle or sign as a way of introducing to the world the kingdom of God. Introducing in the sense of truly making it clear what the kingdom of God is all about. As I was reflecting on this, it led me to question the meaning of miracles or signs in our lives both as defined by Scripture, but also defined by society. And maybe you've heard a sermon like this preached before, but my aim isn't what you might expect. I'm not here to denounce that Scripture or society's definitions of miracles are not worthy of our time. But what I'm here to do is lift up the work that God is doing through both. You see, when it came to the story of miracles in Jesus, one commentator ascribes that they are always lined up in the same way. A setting is established, one that is ripe for a miracle to occur, and then a need arises, and then a miracle addresses that need, and then there is a response to that miracle. So in the case of this wedding at Cana, we can see in the setting of a wedding feast that a need arises for more libations when the wine runs out, verses 3 to 5. And Jesus, even though he doesn't feel it is his time to reveal his glory as the Son of God, performs a sign, a miracle, verses 6 to 8. And then the steward and the bridegroom are a part of the response to that. Sign, verses 9 to 11. These signs and miracles, by society standards, don't always get up, set up the same way, as I just outlined for you, as are outlined uh, for all of Jesus' miracles. Yes, we hear of the need for miracles everywhere, all the time, but we don't always see miracles happen that meet those needs, do we? It seems that miracles for today's world are much more involved with things happening out of thin air. That no specific need arises, but amazing things just happen. And people's responses to those miracles are shock and awe, with maybe just a little sense of gratitude. You'd think that the people at the wedding at Cana, either the steward or the bridegroom, would have responded in a faith-filled way to the abundance of wine that, was just, that just happened to show up when the supply had run low. But really, it seems that their reaction, like many people do today, is somewhere along the lines of, We almost had a major party foul there when we ran out of booze. That wouldn't look good for us if we ran out of wine at this wedding feast. Luckily, the bridegroom was hiding all of the good stuff in the back. This sort of suggests that if any unexplainable good fortunes occur in our lives, it has to do with chance. Since the steward and the bridegroom didn't know where it came from, the water that turned into wine, I can see why they might call it good luck. But to call the act of our Creator dying on a cross for our sins and rising again, should we call that good luck, too? I'm not too sure. I can't help but wonder if Jesus hadn't been so secretive about his identity and his part in this miracle, would the people have responded with praises and thanksgiving to God, or rather with skepticism and judgment? Perhaps Jesus feared the latter. I also can't help but wonder if more people today knew this story of the miracle that Jesus performed at this wedding in Cana of Galilee and believed it. Would they too offer more faith-filled responses of thanksgiving and adoration to God when miracles happen instead of calling it a game of chance? Because the true miracle then becomes how God can work in people's faith for the better, despite the circumstances that lead up to the miracles they experience. Part of the challenge with people and miracles nowadays is that there is such a desire for a qualitative standard for miracles on a grand scale. And those are wonderful miracles when someone's life is saved from near death or something like that. But what strikes me about this miracle of Jesus at the wedding is that it is done, it wasn't done, excuse me, it wasn't done for attention or for, a, for a publicity, but rather simply to prevent the party from ending. It was simply meant to bring people joy. That type of miracle, I believe, is what we are called to celebrate every day. the one like of the corinthian variety that we encounter in our reading from paul today we know that paul is writing to this early christian community that has been struggling with its own sense of identity and is quick to criticize a difference of opinion but paul writes to them in a way that seeks to bring unity in the midst of their diversity the unity that comes through the origin of all their gifts, that is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is so powerful and miraculous that it creates and enables a diversity of gifts to coexist and to thrive as a worshipping and human family, one human family. Speaking of family, Jesus' mother... Truly deserves all the credit for kick starting Jesus' ministry. It's an easy part of this familiar story to just gloss over, to sort of cast aside, but it is significant for various reasons. Because the beginning of his ministry is the unveiling, the epiphany of all that he is sent to do in his life. And ultimately, that that very life will end in a violent death on a cross for the sake of the world. It's almost unfathomable to to consider the strength that Jesus' mother had, that it took for her to simply start his ministry, having some premonition likely that it would end in his death. The simple nudge that she gave him at a wedding feast with laughter and joy and singing all around to provide some more wine, it truly cost her a lot. Because the only other time that she appears in John's gospel is at the foot of the cross. What a powerful bookend to Jesus' ministry. His mother encouraging him at the beginning And grieving with him at the end. Just like every mother would. All these signs point to the fact that God is revealing God's self in Jesus. That the glory of our God is here and now. God has revealed God's whole self in the incarnation and the enfleshment of Jesus. And it's not as grand or majestic as one might assume the creator of the world to do. Because there's no threatening cosmic storms or harsh trials and judgment. God reveals God's whole self and God's whole intention through Jesus making wine at a wedding. Where there is laughter and dancing and joy. Despite the water turning quickly to wine, what you see revealed isn't what you get when it comes to Jesus' work. We think we know the outcome. Of God's incarnation. But we really have no idea. How great is that? In the end, sometimes God's working miracles isn't about an astonishing healing or the like. Although those are great. But God's miracles are simply about giving us joy. Like the joy of having enough wine for everybody to drink at the wedding banquet. Can you imagine a meal where all sit down in the world and there is enough for all? No one goes hungry. No one goes thirsty. This is the miracle we should long for. This is the miracle the world needs now. Amen.